Welcome, guys. Um, hey, uh, for the sake of this this joke here, I'm um, I'm I'm not married. Hey, uh, this girl, she recently broke up with me. It's kind of a bummer. Did I tell you about that, Steve? No, you recently didn't got tell me about your girlfriend that you broke up with. <laughs> no, she broke up with me. Oh, um, yeah, yeah, she yeah. said she said I had revenge issues, which is crazy. We'll see uh, about that. Uh, you stepped, on my, you stepped on my punchline with your just <laughs> sickening. Uh, all right, let's try. Let's try another one. Let's try another one because that one didn't make any sense. Yeah. All right. All right. Um, yeah, I remember when I uh, when I was in uh, college, I used to work at a bookstore. That was a fun job. Oh yeah. Um, yeah, I remember this guy came in one time. He said, uh, "I'd like a book on revenge, please." Yeah. I said, "I said you'll pay for that." <laughs> See that <laughs> one's better. And goals to the fucking November showdown episode of Halloween is forever. I'm Brian. I'm Mr. October. <laughs> hey, who that boy is over there? Who that handsome boy lurking over in the corner is? Is that Bob? Is that Whoa, Bob hey. from 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 the Hops and Box Office Flops podcast? How's it going? Oh, I'm afraid it is. Yeah. Howdy, gentlemen, and uh, welcome, listeners. Thanks yeah. for letting me join tonight. I really appreciate it. And uh, looking forward to talking about these movies. Yeah, thanks for joining us for our November showdown episode, our revenge horror uh, showdown episode for the, uh, the 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 illustrious month of November. Little little audible for for our listeners. I know we were talking about in the last podcast, uh, the last mini-sode, uh, TK was going to join us, and then uh, he he tapped you in. He uh, well, he had a it blew out his ACL or something. Couldn't get in the ring. He's a coward. <laughs> yes, he does have chronic knee issues as well, so that's pretty standard yeah. for him. But no, yeah, all yeah. joking aside, uh, yeah, Tom is currently in Ohio with mm. our buddy Blake, and I'll be joining them tomorrow because the three of us are going to go to the Bengals game Sunday night. Bengals Bills. Oh. Bengals Let's Bills. see if they actually play the fun. game this time. That'll be a uh, that'll be a fun one, guys. I know you're all very heavily invested in my fantasy football team, but that's a big one for me. That's a big one <laughs> okay. for me. Uh, got right Joe on. Burrow. He's got to come. He's got to come through for me. Uh, big, hey, week, me big week. You got hey, Joe me Burrow. Me too. I I got Joe Burrow. Nice. I got Joe Burrow. I got James Cook for Buffalo. Um, I'm number tied for number one in my league. I'm playing the other guy who's number one. So we got a real oh. barn burner on our hands for this Sunday. And I got about a, I got to get up at 4 a.m. on Monday morning to catch a flight. So I'm not even going to be able to watch it. Ooh, um, but yeah, listen, guys, that's enough about my fantasy team. I'll, I'll give you, I'll give you a quick, quick fantasy corner. We'll start making that a regular segment here. Uh, that's <laughs> not what we're talking about, guys. We're talking about revenge horror here. Our showdown episode for uh, November. For those of you who are new to the show, maybe you just started listening around Halloween time. We get a lot of new folks around spooky season joining the show. Uh, thank you once again. Uh, also, this is I'll explain what this here showdown episode is all about here in a second, but uh, probably a good time to mention. Just because we came at just finished Halloween season, we're in the we're now in the throes of November. Holiday season's right around the corner, uh, guys. Uh, we just hit ten thousand followers on Instagram. 
which is really exciting. Uh, thanks mm -hmm. for all Allian's new followers out there who joined us uh, around spooky season. Uh, and we got a fun little uh, little 10K giveaway uh, we'll, we'll talk about here in a hot second. But as far as this here showdown episode's uh, concerned, if this is your first showdown episode, here's how it works. Um, we do a brand new spooky ooky bit of content new podcast every damn monday on the internet but the first monday of every month we do what's called a showdown episode and how that works is me and steve got a big old spinny ass wheel got a whole shitload of different topics on it sometimes subgenres sometimes it's oh performers whatever could be any number of things maybe it's a production studio who knows we pull three of those a month off of that list at random with our spinny ass wheel, we throw that onto the social medias on Instagram and Twitter, and then our social media friends and listeners uh, go out and uh, and vote, see which one of those topics they want to see come to life for that following month's showdown episode. Revenge horror is what won in November. So, me. Steve and our guest this month is, of course, Bob. Uh, we each pick a movie associated with that topic. We're going to argue about it, guys. I know only uh, only our uh, our Patreon friends that are here uh, with us in the Discord can see it. Um, but but I got a steel chair here, right? Steve's got the Kimbo stick. I saw that. I don't know what Bob's sport. I think he's dragging a bag of tacks. Uh, but we're going no holds bar extreme. Uh, falls count anywhere rules here for this showdown episode. We're each going to talk about our movie. We're going to argue about it. We're going to poke holes in each other's arguments. We already had some some back some backstage heated uh, discussions happening before we got on here. We were already me and Bob were already piling on Steve's movie uh, before we got on. So we had a little tussle backstage, guys, and it's gonna it's gonna spill out into the ring here in a second. Ultimately, we're gonna vote at the end, and somebody's gonna take home that son of a bitch and championship strap for the month of November. November. Steve, uh, like you said, Mr. October himself is coming in with, is it two straight wins or is it three straight wins? I think it's two. Yeah. yeah. This is, yeah. you're going it's for two. the three Pete. That's right. Going for three Pete. Yeah. Uh, which is bad for everyone because of course, whoever wins gets to pick the punishment movie that we all have to watch on the follow-up mm, episode. Mm, and Steve mm, mm. has been kind of kind on the last, the last couple of them. Uh, and I don't expect that to happen in November. He's probably got some horrible scatological bullshit that he's going to make us watch. Uh, and I'm really not looking forward to it. And I honestly, <laughs> I'm, I, Bob, we may want to consider like starting some sort of faction here just to prevent Steve <laughs> from winning because this is problematic for all of us. If he hey, don't be starting no BWO just to go against me just because he's both B's and he's be like I'm Brian and I'm bald and this is the BWO don't be doing that hey, us B's gotta stick together man but I okay, will okay. say I will yeah. say because I did the 31 days of horror recommendations mm -hmm. for our Patreon I had to watch a lot of movies that did not make the cut a lot of movies yeah. that are fucking trash but now they're mm -hmm. ammo they're yeah. ammo, so fuck you. <laughs> yeah, I got a couple of them. Hey, look, I got a couple of them in the old in the old chamber here. We'll see what happens. We'll see what happens. We, you know, this is why they. That's why they play the games, right? Um, anyway, before we get into uh, those movies, before we jump jump into this sons of bitch and revenge horror showdown, a couple of quick things to the top of the show. First of all, if you're new 
and, and you want to follow us over on them social medias that I already mentioned, go over to at Halloween is forever uh, on Instagram. Uh, Halloween is forever pod, I think, on 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 TikTok, maybe. I know it's hat hallow forever on Twitter, whatever the hell. Just go search Halloween is forever. You'll see it's a little pixelated, cute little pumpkin guy on there. Um, follow us if you want some dang old spooky yuki shit on the Internet every damn day. Follow us if you want to join some of our patrons who join us regularly here on the discord during recording if you want to get episodes occasionally a little bit earlier if you want to get access to those 31 days uh of uh of of horror that steve did all those fantastic write-ups for um or if you want to get access to our monthly patreon exclusive podcast uh go over on the patreon it's patreon.com forward slash halloween's forever um steve tell tell them a little bit about that i i can't bring myself to to bring it up i start to get shaky i start and i and I, i'm poised i'm psyched up i just hit the smelling salts i'm ready to rock for this showdown and i don't need this fucking patreon podcast like me down so tell tell the folks what that's all about the ever lingering finger of death behind brian known as <laughs> family so is forever <laughs> i hate it so much i hate it so much is yeah, Family is Forever is our monthly podcast in which I make Brian go through the entirety of the Fast and the Furious franchise, mm-hmm. movie by movie, and every month you get a new episode of Brian languishing in existential nightmares, just cannot handle the way his life is going, he's it's falling a apart. It's a yeah. psyop, it's Steve, it's I think... Um, uh, uh, the, the federal government's involved somehow. I don't know how. Mm-hmm. Uh, my friends and family have turned on me. I've shunned them. Oh, I moved out of the house yeah. into a shed out behind the house. I moved into the pool shed because I can't trust anybody. And yeah, it's I all mean, because especially of this piece now. of shit podcast. Yeah. Yeah, especially now because like I was over at your house for the Halloween party mm-hmm. and then that was more of like a conclave for all of us to plan our next move. You know, yeah. we're all very excited for Fast Five coming up in November. Mm-hmm. And I know, tore we'll all the drywall out of my house because I think Steve might have placed cameras. Just a, just one or two. <laughs> just so he can watch me, watch me and make sure I'm watching it and somehow, you know, incite some sort of additional control over my life. Yeah, I um, mean, there's there's cameras in the walls, but there's also cameras in the toilets so I can just watch him make. <laughs> I hate that you said make uh, somehow grosser. I don't know why. Um, wow, <laughs> Brian, you just got to make it to like fast seven. Yeah, because I think that's when it really like, like just kind of totally goes off the rails. Does that sound God right, Steve? It. Mm, Is it guys. seven, mm, guys? It guys. could be seven. It could be seven. Now, see, guys, now, now, Bob's in it too. And I was hoping this wasn't. This is what happens. Steve goes and finds guests for the podcast and they're in on it too because that's exactly what somebody who was in on this would say i think it's called gang stalking i, I don't know I, but I, I, we already talked about it. i'm being gang stalked i know yeah. this is the case i'm i'm at giant eagle i'm getting a bunch of chip chopped ham for the Steeler game i'm standing there and all of a sudden i hear two old ladies sitting there talking beside me and they're like fast five <laughs> dom Torino. i could just hear them over there saying fast <laughs> and the furious shit it's on my phone my phone's listening to me um, mm-hmm. I hate it. I hate it so much. Siri knows. Yeah, yeah. I hate it so much. Um, but if you want to listen to my my slow um, uh, uh, psychological unraveling, it is actually fun to talk about these movies because they suck ass so hard. They're genuinely the worst movies ever made. Um, I hate watching them, but talking about them is kind of fun. 
So yeah. if you like them, like Steve, <laughs> if you have poop brains and like them, uh, or if you hate them, like me, you're going to have fun listening to the podcast. Go over to patreon.com forward slash Halloween's forever. Uh, sign up with that $5 a month tier. Just a couple paper monies. You get a bunch of fun stuff, like I said. Yeah. Also, Steve, tell them about uh, in celebration of hitting our 10,000 follower mark on the Instagram. Uh, what, are, what are we going to do? We're going to do something fun over there, too, huh? Uh, yeah, I just got a couple, two, three, uh, well, two. I'm not going to give you three, but <laughs> maybe three, <laughs> maybe three. But I, I got a couple Steam games for everybody. You know, if you oh. want to jump on the Instagram, uh, we'll be running a uh, uh, little giveaway throughout the week. So it will just be one of those simple ones where, you, you know, you just tag your friend, you hit the like, you do a share maybe, and mm-hmm. you do a comment, and you'll get entered into a, you know, a, just a free giveaway. And I got... Uh, I got the original Ghost Runner, which Ooh. Ghost Runner 2 just came out. Mm-hmm. And then I got a fun game called Terror of the Hemosaurus, which is basically like Rampage, but it has a uh, it has a climate change storyline to it. So it's, it's a bit fun. <laughs> Sounds fun. Listen, guys, if you like yeah. video games, if you especially like video games about climate change, go on over to our Instagram. Uh, follow us on there. Check, check out the instructions on there. Participate in our fun little giveaway to celebrate uh, 10,000 followers and maybe get a free little uh, video game on the Steam. So yeah. little little thanks for thanks for the follow. We appreciate you over there. Yeah. Maybe it'll give you some more too. <laughs> but yeah. Yeah. yeah, we'll see. Um, we'll see how you exact. Yeah, we'll see how Ewins act. <laughs> Ewins, I went. I went the old school Ewins. I want to be proper. Ewins. See how Ewins act. But how about Bob, how, how about you tell everybody where they can find you? I mean, I just I just mentioned the terror of the Hemosaurus, but well, the terror of the Chumpzilla. Tell everybody what's up. Yeah. No, you, you can find uh, our podcast Hops and Box Office Flops anywhere you can download the finest podcast. Check us out on Twitter at h h o b f. I think that's what it is. Hold on. What is mm-hmm. our Twitter? <laughs> that sounds right. Just just look it up. <laughs> this is usually T-Dub's job. Um, mm-hmm. But you can find all of us on Twitter. Captain Cash, Bling Blake, uh, the Thunderous Wizard, and of course, our dear friend, the Sleepy Bear, Mary McCheese. But uh, yeah, it's a fun podcast. We talk about bad movies and usually good beer. And uh, we drop new episodes every Friday. So hops and box office flops. Check us out. That's hops and bo flops. Yeah, for that's the at. It. yeah. <laughs> there it is. Yeah, if you like this show, you, you obviously you like talking about shitty movies. We talk about good movies too. Sometimes we talk about a yeah. lot of shitty ones. Yeah. If you like talking about shitty movies, if you like talking about beer, uh, you'll like their show as well. So definitely go check it out. Fun show. Um, speaking of beers, do Yin's boys got beers over there tonight that you want to talk about? I see Bob's I got, got beers. One. Yes. All right. Cheers, gentlemen. Yeah, cheers. Steve, why don't, you, why don't you kick us off? Show us what you got. I got one, and I just was looking at the label and discovered it was old, but it doesn't mm-hmm. taste old, so that's fine. Mm-hmm. Uh, because it is a, it is a barrel-aged, so... Oh, it, then I, I guess can't, it's a, yeah. It's got, yeah. It's got some life on it, I'm sure. Yeah, I guess it held up. It's got barrel, it's got the high ABV, it's got a, it's got a bit hold up to it, but it's the uh, Allagash Day's End... Mm-hmm. And mm. that is an ale brewed with Lambrusco grape musk Ooh. and angelica root and bitter orange and aged in bourbon barrel root b- 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 bourbon barrels. Yeah, uh, that, nine and a half percent. 
that uh, that sounds in down a similar nine and a half. That's a big boy, um, but that uh-huh. is kind of down the 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 avenue that I'm going. Actually, interestingly enough, not exactly the same, but that bears some similarities. Uh, Bob, what are you drinking on over there? I am drinking a Wild Range Brewing Company's Imperial IPA. This is an Aldi special, so mm. I kind of rolled the dice there because you know Aldi has its own like virtual brewery brands. Mm-hmm. And I think this is out of Rochester, New York. It's the same guys that do uh, uh, Genesee Cream Ale. Oh, mm-hmm. okay. And um, so, yeah, it's a virtual brewery. But as far as like uh, Aldi Special goes, this is not bad. It's at 8.5%, I think. It's a little chewy, um, a little maltier than I expected. But, I mean, it's pretty drinkable. And at 8.5%, it does taste a little boozy, but I'm not complaining. Um, yeah. So, you know, for an Aldi special again. Yeah. Okay. But, I'm uh, always intrigued by those like those house house brand beers, you know, because they're, they're obviously Aldi's not making its own beer. You know, same thing with like a, a Costco or whatever, when they have their like Kirkland brand, whatever they're contract brewing it somewhere. I always love yep. their little sleuthing and figure out who's who's out there contract brewing for. I remember for a long time. Is it was it Costco? I think their like session IPA or whatever that they was actually made by Firestone Walker, I believe once upon a time. And it was killer. Um, So like sometimes you, yeah, sometimes you'll find some really, some really, uh, some really great buys in there. The problem is sometimes, uh, you know, when they make a bajillion cases of it at once and, you know, if you get it fresh, great. But if it's been sitting on the floor uh, for months and months and months, you know, that obviously is not ideal, but no boy, um, no. Yeah, yeah. I tried their pumpkin beer last year. The Aldi pumpkin beer was terrible. Yeah, like it, it was almost undrinkable. It was so bad. Mm. Like I was really disappointed. The only beers I've ever bought at Aldi is when they had like those, uh, you know, holiday German pat like beer like lent uh or not lent yeah, yeah. Uh, advent calendars advent calendar yeah and they're always painfully old they're all like german imports that'll so be like tucker mm. and you know it'll be like uh uh you know stuff like a little bit more obscure german breweries um and a lot of times it's just like the beer is yeah. so oxidized yeah. and ancient but um because they're also yeah. putting like hellises and like stuff that's not even seasonal in there like no, sometimes exactly. i see that they're I, sometimes I see like their browns and like smoked ales and things like that. But other times it's just yeah. like, yeah, hey, here's a fucking Hefeweizen in the middle of winter. Yeah. Fuck yourself. Yeah, you'll see like a Christmas bock. <laughs> You're like, oh, that makes sense. But yeah, then there's like a, a Tucker Hellas that's like a year and a half old in there. And you're like, oh, I guess I'll just wipe my ass with this. Thanks. Yeah. Um, fun fact about Aldi. You know, yes, it yeah. is a German company, right? I guess mm-hmm. like it was uh, founded or whatnot by two brothers. Okay. Mm-hmm. And they had a falling out uh, here in the, you know, with the business here in the States. So mm-hmm. one brother continued to run Aldi and the other started Trader Joe's. Yeah. I have heard that now that you say yeah. that. I, I remember somebody telling me that uh, before. Same deal with Puma and Adidas. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Interesting. Yep. Yeah, I was shocked because I've never been in a Trader Joe's before until this mm-hmm. year. And then I always thought it was like rich people food. So that's why I didn't go mm-hmm. in there. I thought it was on the level of Whole Foods. No, it's on the yeah. level of Aldi. It's just it like is? different stuff. Yeah. Huh. I mean, there's not one near me. It's incredibly affordable. Is it? Mm-hmm. Okay. I'll have to check one out. But yeah, there's not one close to me, but I've definitely got Aldi and I've definitely got Whole Foods. Or as we call it down here, Whole Paycheck. I got I got some like Reese's peanut butter cup type things, but they mm-hmm. were like house made uh, dark chocolate sunflower, uh, sunflower butter. And they were like a dollar, yeah. like cheaper than Reese's peanut butter cups. It's like, 
get the fuck out of here. They're just hiding these in the suburbs because they don't want the pores near them is all. That's all it is. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you ain't wrong. But hey, because I'm on Halloween is forever, I've got to get in a snack plug and it's mm-hmm. Aldi adjacent. Um, I'm a big cheese stick guy and mm-hmm. I have found that Aldi has the best cheese sticks. Their pepper jack is better than Sargento's. I used to be a big Sargento's guy. I paid mm-hmm. the extra for those because store brand was gross at Kroger or, or you know Walmart, <laughs> whatever. Mm-hmm. And Aldi is better, and their Gouda sticks are amazing. Mm-hmm. Like so, for like a for a poverty charcuterie board, go yeah. with the Aldi cheese sticks. Hell yeah! <laughs> um, here's a question for you as a as a self proclaimed cheese stick guy: How do you eat the cheese stick? What is your preferred methodology? Because I feel like that tells that says a lot about a person how you eat a cheese stick. Okay, this might be, you know, giving a little too much away here, but mm-hmm. I, I do the little nibbles. Yeah. I'm a, I'm a nibbler. So do you string it or and, you just kind of? No, no, I, no I, I'm not a string cheese guy, but like, so the yeah. Aldi ones are kind of like bars. They're flat oh, and they're wide. Oh, they're more square kind of. Okay, I know what you're talking no, about. No, they're, yeah, they're, yeah. like, they're like rectangles. Oh, all right. They're, they're, all right. they're rectangles. They're, they're flat and wide. And okay. I'm a nibbler. And I keep the oh, wrapper on. Yeah. I don't, I don't, I don't do anything uncovered. <laughs> I got, you. I got you. just for protection. <laughs> I actually just I unsheath the entire thing and just ooh, swallow it whole. Don't even chew it. I mean, <laughs> as God intended. Yeah. Yep. I'm not trying to taste it. That's the sin. Um, so that's why yeah, his no, nickname's the cheese snake. <laughs> Good old cheese snake. They don't call me that for nothing. Um, I, as far as what I'm drinking here, uh, Steve, it sounds a little bit similar in that there's uh, I don't know why it just felt like, you know, uh, there's some like uh, old world components to it. Yours had some like various weird like herbs and and, and spices yeah. and things like that. My, uh, mine is supposed to be uh, uh, an inspiration by the Boulevardier cocktail. Ah, uh, OK. Gotcha. So that's why that's why it feels old is because it was probably built in the 1880s in a fucking dusty mm-hmm. ass Chicago bar or something like that. Gotcha. That sounds way too fancy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. See, I'm I'm going uh, something. I, I boy, I haven't had any, any of this. And Steve, you might have let, brought this to my house. Somebody did. Yeah, for I left that at your party. house. Yeah, yep. I'm I'm getting after a little bit of mead. I'm doing a damn you know psychedelic '80s fucking freak out horror fantasy hero quest movie. So you know how the hell you're not going to drink some mead while you're talking about that? Uh, there's yeah. rarely mead in my fridge. Uh, so Steve brought this over, left a couple at my house for a Halloween party. I'm drinking Arsenal Cider House's uh, Orange Blossom Event Blend Mead. It's a six and a half percent session mead with orange blossom honey. Yeah, that's pretty much it. Yeah, um, uh, some killer and, can uh, art. It is. It's cool. And I'm usually not a mead guy. Usually mead is like either too boozy or or too sweet or too like not even there's like a unique uh overly like perfumey floral um mm-hmm. sweetness that can kind of become cloying and weird to me this is actually mm-hmm. quite dry and interestingly enough it tastes a lot like like cheap like concord grape juice a little bit, a little bit. Um, which huh. i kind of like uh, it's got a little bit of that floral thing to it it's definitely got a little bit of a of a, a sulfury like kind of sulfate not fartiness, but just like that first sip is a little <laughs> sulfury. I mean, so is the floral component coming from the orange blossom, you think? Yeah, I think so. And just honey in, in general. Like me yeah, does tend honey, to be yeah. quite quite floral just because it's, you know, for those of you not familiar with me, it's it's honey wine, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. But it's oftentimes fermented with, uh, you know, typically some sort of wine 
yeast strain. So it does have a lot of like wine flavor cues to it, but it's a lot drier than I thought. It's definitely got a little bit of sweetness to it. It's floral. It's got a little bit, like I said, a little bit of that weird sulfitic thing to it. But otherwise, um, six and a half percent, I'm enjoying it just fine. And like I said, yeah. get me in the spirit to talk about some 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 dang old, uh, uh, you know, fucking fantasy hero quest shit that I'm going to be talking about today. So um, speaking of those movies, I've already alluded to mine. If you haven't listened to uh, the last couple of episodes or at least the last episode where we announced what we're going to be talking about, just to recap, I'm going to be talking about 2018's Mandy in our revenge showdown. Uh, Bob, what movie are you going to be talking about? I'm going to be talking about 2011's You're Next. Ooh, it's a good one. In it's honor a of Tom, that was the movie mm. he chose. Yes, yeah, so you were assigned this movie, uh, so that should be an, a, a fun little uh, a fun little wrinkle thrown into thrown in, into the the the, the matchup here. Yeah, Steve, I feel like you... I'm at a significant disadvantage. I'm, it's going to be an uphill <laughs> battle for me. <laughs> <laughs> it's a good movie, though. I, I I really like that movie a lot. Actually, I like all these movies. So, a lot of times when we do the showdowns, whether it's three or or even we did like a, a fatal four way for Halloween, like sometimes I would say more often than not, there's like one that I'm like, eh, I'm going to I'm not really that into that one. Or, yeah. you know, all three of these movies are genuinely I really enjoy all three of these movies for different reasons. Yeah. But I, I just can't believe that Tom tried to do a nightmare on Elm Street like what yeah. a corny ass pick. <laughs> like, no, Tom, you can't pick. You can't, yeah, I mean, I get it, but like, technically you're right, but I think you're missing the point. <laughs> well, it's revenge on revenge almost because Freddie was, you know, murdering children and then the, the, the town burned him as revenge. And then now he's getting revenge for get, someone getting revenge on yeah. him. So it's like inception like, level revenge there. And yeah. I'm sorry, but it's it's more fun when you're doing a showdown episode like this to have movies that are like not classics, mm. right? Like, yeah, we, uh, it we just, it's just less interesting. Rules. Everybody knows that movie. There's not much to talk about that people haven't already said. Like, yeah, you know, yeah, we, anyway. we used to call it the we used to call it the Meg rule. We used to give her a hard time when Meg uh, was our yes. third co-host on the show because we'd be like, you know, hey, we're gonna do shark movies, and she'd be like, listen, guys, Jaws. I pick first. I'm going Jaws. Fuck Jaws. you, you know. <laughs> yeah. We're doing, you know, here I'm picking The Exorcist, you know, for for right. our uh, for our, <laughs> our possession horror. movie, that sort of stuff. Yeah. yeah. Um, so she was just what? shameless. She just went for the throat. So yeah, we try yeah. to not do the the first option there. Um, but in any case, Steve, t- tell tell the folks what's uh, what your movie's going to be. And I will be doing the Toxic Avenger from nineteen eighty four. I th- I thought it was you know one it's appropriate for the what we're talking about, but also like let's get us ready, let's get us pumped up for the remake coming out. Mm-hmm. Making Blair, who like I watched Murder Party again for Halloween because I always mm-hmm. do. Such so, a great movie. Yeah, such a great movie. But like he, you know, he wrote and directed the remake of that, and you know, Lloyd Kaufman seems to have given it its blessing. So like, mm-hmm. you know, it, it's all there. And I, I'm ready for it. And when's it coming out? By the way, I I, I saw the think, trip. Is it end of the year? I think maybe. Is it that soon? I know it's not too far down the road because we saw a trailer, you know, or some sneak peeks not that not that long ago. But I wasn't yeah, sure when it when it was coming out, but I think it might be end of the year. Maybe maybe it's like a February 2024 release. Who knows? Mm-hmm. But it's close. They finally released the trailer. So, you know, let's get ready to go. Yeah. Nice. All right. So uh, that being said, Steve being the defending champ, he gets to 
figure out, you know, and, and let us know what the order in which we're going to discuss our movies is going to be. So what, what, what are you thinking, Steve? I'm going to go a little different from usual. Okay. Uh, I'm going to let Brian go first. Okay. And I'm going to go in the middle. Did you make me go middle. first in October? <laughs> yes. I said a little bit different. <laughs> a little not different. terribly different. A little no, bit different. All right, fair enough. Fair enough. And I'm going to go in the middle and I'll let Bob go last. Okay. I'll pull up the rear. All right. Fair enough. Fair enough. Okay. Well, then let me jump straight into this son of a bitch. Um, like I said, I'm talking about Mandy from 2018. Uh, this is a hard movie to categorize. Yes, it's definitely will fall in the category of, of, of a revenge movie, a revenge horror movie, but it's also a, you know, psychedelic fantasy horror, like fucking droning doom metal opera on top of it. Like it's just, it's, mm-hmm. it's such an insane, unique movie. We've talked about before on the podcast, just high level before it's definitely got mentioned before. And, and I I've been absolutely in love with this movie since the first time I saw it, I saw it in the theaters. Uh, when it came out, uh, I was, I was actually down in Texas, uh, was just, you know, Hey, going to go see a horror flick, went in a little bit blind, had heard a couple of good things, didn't know what it was about, got myself all nice and baked, went into the, the, uh, Alamo draft house in Austin, watched this and just had a fucking got wildly stoned and had a blast watching this movie. Like just fucking loved every second of it. And I've probably seen it. No joke. I I've probably seen it six six or seven times since then. Like this is, this is a movie that could quite possibly it, it, I, I would feel comfortable saying it falls in my top 25 horror movies. Like I absolutely adore this movie. I champion this movie every, every chance I get. Um, and it, and it has quite a, quite a following, but I, I wonder, you know, 10, 20, 30 years from now, I feel like a lot of people are going to think about this as one of the, you know, a great kind of like hero's quest type of, of horror flick. So that is one thing to, to take into consideration when you think about this movie. It is really like if you're at all a fan of of fantasy movies, fantasy literature, video games, especially the kind of like you know, uh, you know, almost Dungeons and Dragon ass type of uh, horror or like hero quest type of fantasy movies. Usually, especially if you look back at at some of the uh, some of the older ones, like a lot of times, you know, especially like the, the you know, 60s, 70s, like like uh, pulp novel fantasy type of things. Usually one of the big themes is either, uh, you know, uh, saving you know, whoever the hero is like saving their their beloved or saving somebody or uh, enacting revenge <laughs> in some capacity. So this is obviously the latter. Um, and, you know, usually you're fighting with, with, you know, whether it's dragons or or monsters or or demons or some sort of shit. In this instance, guys with sword kind of, dicks, <laughs> sword dicks. This is kind of all the above. This is like evil yeah. cults, monsters, uh, like uh, uh, a, b- a bunch of wild shit. Right. I I can't help but remember as a teenager, I read a lot of Pierce Anthony mm. and like that. Like there's nothing in here that specifically screams Pierce Anthony, but there's a lot in here that screams Pierce Anthony, just like weird magic setups that aren't necessarily magic and just like, mm-hmm. you know, otherworldliness. And mm-hmm. yeah, it just, it just reminds me of a Pierce Anthony novel without being one. Uh, anybody who's listening, go check out upon a pale horse. That's a, that's probably uh, is that might be his best. Yeah. Yeah. 
Uh, you know, from a visual standpoint, you know, there's a lot of things in this movie that like remind me of uh, Hellraiser. Um, sure. You know, and and it just like in the best ways, right? I mean, mm-hmm. it, is, it is weird in the best ways possible, and the, the director's, uh, you know, vision or whatever, like his ability to capture vibe, is yeah. incredible. Like the movie is very atmospheric, and very uh, much so. it, it, it's it's just cool. It's visually interesting, and the story is good as well. Like, and that's I mean, come on, what else can you ask for in a movie? This, I mean, I, I was I was saying before the pod when I was trying to figure out how Discord works because I'm old. Um, <laughs> I, I don't know exactly what I'm trying to describe, and then you know Steve was able to kind of clarify it for me. But like, yeah, just the way like the colors are saturated and the contrast is cranked up, the movie just pops in a way that's like it yeah. catches your your interest. And you're like, wow! And I watched the director's first film, like uh, Beyond the Dark Rainbow or whatever, Black Beyond Rainbow. The Black Rainbow. Whatever. Yep. Very similar in that movie's not as tight as Mandy, but it's funny no. because I didn't know what Mandy was, mm-hmm. right? And we on Hops and Box Office Flops did a Raging with Cage, you know, month where we did four Cage movies, and one of them was yeah. Mandy. And yeah. I, I'd heard about it. I heard like, hey, you know, Nick Cage just did this movie, Mandy. Uh, I assumed it was like a rom com, mm-hmm. and like it was like, oh, he's really good in it, and you should check it out, and like whatever. So when I finally had to watch it for the podcast, I was like, oh. Oh, this is not a rom-com. Oh, wow. <laughs> this is the opposite of a rom-com. Yeah, um, and I'm like, holy crap. And I was just, I was hooked. I'm like, this movie's great. I was so glad yeah. we did that. So anyway, pleasant surprise no, it, there. Yeah, you were, I mean, you hit the nail on the head. It's like ultra stylized, super visually stunning, you know, beautifully shot. And and Panos Cosmatos, um, like if you watch uh, Beyond the Black Rainbow, like you said, it's, 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 not quite as you know fully actualized as this movie but it is again visually stunning really you know brilliantly shot movie the thing that puts this over the top obviously you know amazing cast very very different much higher budget as you might expect compared to his his other movies um you know great cast great performances but he still has mm-hmm. that beautiful sense of cinematography and, and kind of visually stunning uh scenes um the sound design in this one is just so fantastic. And it begs to be viewed in a theater, which that was the first you know time I saw it. And it was just like, you are sitting there again, sitting there stoned, eating my popcorn, drinking my diet Coke, and just feeling like I'm just getting hit with like waves of sound, you know, uh, watching this and, you know, with the whole, you know, Dolby surround sound, all that stuff. It was just such an amazing experience. Um, we'll get into the characters and performances here a little bit um, in a second. But yeah, really trippy, psychedelic visuals. And then this big like droning, some classical elements that add a lot of like kind of gravitas, I think, to the story, because otherwise things are things are pretty wild and chaotic and, and are like there's a lot of black humor that pops up uh, at times as well. So this like really droning classical score mixed with this like doom metal type of soundtrack just adds a lot of gravity to the whole thing. Um, imagine like the coolest Dio album cover that you can think of. And that is a movie, a full fucking feature length movie based on a Dio album cover. Or yeah. if you've this movie seen should head- be airbrushed on the side of a minivan. It really should. That's a great way. Of <laughs> or no, a full sized van. Excuse me. Oh, yeah. Full, full on van with shag carpeting on the inside. Yeah. Yeah. Like, exactly. if you've ever seen the movie. Mark three. <laughs> 
<laughs> if you've ever seen Heavy Metal, the animated movie yeah. Heavy Metal from 81, it's highly influenced by that, you can tell. Um, especially with the animated sequences and these big crazy title cards and and mm-hmm. uh, and all that. And, and you literally start out with a fucking King Crimson, you know, track at the beginning. Uh, it's it's just awesome. But very metal. Um, yeah. Yeah. So uh, I'll talk real real quickly about, you know, some some of the main cast and then I'll get into, you know, high level, some plot points. I'm not going to drain the whole thing, but I'll go through some of the big plot points and then, you know, some of the really great you know, scenes as as we progress through this. So the, the main thing and, you know, big part of the reason why this drew such a big audience and, and really holds up the idea they pulled it off um, was uh, was it's starring Nick Cage, right? Huge uh, uh, fan base for Nick Cage. And like, I think a lot of people you think about, they think about Nick Cage who maybe haven't seen a lot of movies of his or maybe just seen a, a couple. Um, I'm a huge Nick Cage fan. I think a lot of people think of that as like, I don't want to say ironically, but they're almost like, oh, yeah, you like wacky movies. So you like that's why you like Nick Cage. And I do like wacky movies. But this movie in particular, along with, frankly, almost every movie he's in, he's a fucking unbelievable actor. Like he is genuinely an unbelievable performer, like one of the best actors of all time. And I will fight. I will absolutely die on that hill. I, Um, I think Nick Cage has like a special code in his own brain. That he mm-hmm. like he doesn't reveal to people because Nick Cage will take on a lot of different roles and he does a mm-hmm. lot of shitty movies yeah. that like we don't watch we don't bother to watch um like you I I still haven't watched the one that I did work on I, I just don't yeah. watch it it's terrible <laughs> which um, one was that the Humanity Bureau I don't know if you guys no we haven't done that one yeah I I did like uh, some writing work for like the they had a they had a vr component to the dvd release mm. so yeah I, I did writing work on that but like, nice and i that was even before i knew nick cage was on it so and then he was on it. i was like oh that's crazy i'm still not gonna watch that movie because i've read the script it's terrible <laughs> <laughs> yeah he takes on scripts and like but he he will bring i mean there's plenty of movies like i said this script i think is great and i i love everything yeah. about this movie but there's yeah. a lot of movies that i've seen that i'm like I would never have watched that unless, you know, I only watched it because Nick Cage was in it. And that was the only thing that made it watchable. And maybe it sucked ass, but I love, right. like he just has I mean, gravity like, to it. Like Willie's Wonderland. You know, if you give him the oh, right yeah. script, you know, like it unlocks the code in his brain where he'll give 100% to it. And then yeah. that, that's how you get good Nick Cage. You, you just have to give him something interesting and then he'll do something interesting. Right. Yeah. That's when he unlocks the full strength Coppola. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and to your point, like we did pray, which is a terrible shitty movie. Um, Mm -hmm. and you can tell cage is not on his a game in that because it was just a paycheck. He didn't Mm -hmm. really like it, but he needed the money uh, or he wanted the money because I think he's doing better financially now. Sure. Like in Willie's wonderland, like it's a subdued performance, but he 110% understood the assignment. Same -hmm. thing with Mandy. Mandy is more of a subdued performance for cage. Um, he does have some, you know, moments where he kind of gets to chew up some scenery a bit and it's appropriate and it's not corny, but again, mm-hmm. he was engaged. You can tell he's like engaged in his performance and he 110% understood the assignment. Mm-hmm. And like, I think on the opposite end of that spectrum for me as, as the movie I picked for that cage month, and I'm so glad I did cause I'd never seen it before was vampires kiss. Mm-hmm. And mm. that, I love that movie. And I know it's like mostly known for the memes, but 
the crazy wacky performance from Cage in that movie was again him understanding the assignment 110%. That's the kind of movie it was supposed to be. Now it's weird, yeah. jarring. Uh, that's why it's kind of a cult classic. I think it's misunderstood. I think that's a really mm-hmm. good film. I think it, it it has a very interesting message if you like try to dive into it a bit. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, Cage is just he, like it just he's a mixed bag. Like sometimes it's a paycheck and sometimes he's, you know, c- completely engaged and gives a great performance. Just yeah. whether or not he unlocks that code in his head or not. Yeah. When he decides to turn it on, he's, he's the best there is. Right. And right. vampire's kiss. I genuinely unironically love that movie. <laughs> like it's just such a, I just yes, love, I, I just love everything he's in. And so he adds a lot of gravity to this. He, he plays red Miller, right. Who's, who's the, the main protagonist. And then, uh, you get the, the titular Mandy, Mandy Bloom is her name. She's played by uh, Andrea Reisenbaugh. Um, You know, those are the two main main kind of protagonists um, or or Nicolas Cage surely is Um, the main the main antagonist, the main bad guy is a guy named uh, Jeremiah Sand, uh, played by Linus Roach. You'd recognize him. Ned Dennehy's in it. He's another member of this cult. Uh, Her name. I'm going to mess it up again. Olwen Fori, I believe is her name, uh, Fourier, maybe. Um, we've seen her in a couple things, actually, in, in recent years. She's popped up. And then you get some really great um, uh, uh, cameo um, appearances by the great Richard Brake uh, and, and Bill Duke as well, which is which is always fun. Um, so we'll, we'll talk about those in a quick sec. But just the, se- the setting, like... This seems to be uh, I don't know exactly where I think I've looked up and I've, I've actually seen competing um, suggestions of, of where this is supposed to be set. Um, but, you know, if you were to say it was set in the Pacific Northwest or it was set, you know, but it's set in some sort of, uh, you know, heavily wooded kind of rural environment where you have uh, Red and Mandy living this, you know, uh, pretty isolated uh, very kind of intimate, serene, you know, existence. You definitely get the uh, s- some kind of slow burn early setup shots and and interaction with them. Of you know, Red is we know he's a combat a combat veteran. We know he's got a little bit of a checkered past. You know, substance abuse is part of it as well. They're very clear on on indicating that. Um, and, and, you know, kind of, you know, looking for a second chance type of thing, you know, happy out separate from the world, if you will, with Mandy. Uh, so there's this really kind of, uh, uh, you know, mutual respect and love and admiration for both of them. And they seem just kind of very, you know, happy in their everyday life. You get some suggestions that Mandy also, you know, is dealing with some trauma from her past as well, perhaps like familial stuff you don't really necessarily get it spelled out but you can tell that they both are kind of like are a little bit damaged in that way and then they come together to kind of you know help and support each other in this you know kind of very equal loving relationship uh red works as i believe as a logger a lumberjack in some capacity uh mandy works at a store like a little kind of convenience store nearby type of thing um, little, little, uh, almost like, you know, small little country shop store, bait shop, whatever it is. Um, and you can just get some nice establishing shots and things set up, um, throughout the, throughout the first, you know, 15 minutes or so. Um, then the inciting incident kind of is Mandy just walking, minding her own business on the way, uh, to work. And she spotted, 
uh, by this guy, Jeremiah Sand, who we come to learn is the leader of this cult called the Children of the New Dawn. They're very much influenced by uh, Charles Manson. And, yeah. and, and the Manson family. Um, there's definitely shades of maybe Jim Jones in there as well, but like it's very Manson family ish, right? They even call yeah. each other bro- brother this and sister that and, and yeah. mother and the this music and all that. Angle. Oh, and his music angle. Right. Yeah. So you come to realize, <laughs> you come to learn that Jeremiah was this failed uh, musician, um, obviously s- total psychopath, um, but also huge egomaniac as well. Uh, feels that he, you know, was wronged in some sort of capacity in the music world, you know, made an, uh, an album or whatever, you know, not tremendously uh, popular album necessarily, but then like he kind of, uh, left the music world behind to pursue his higher calling, which is, you know, as the Messiah or whatever. Right. So he's got these like insane delusions of grandeur. He spots, he's very, you know, entitled, like I said, uh, huge, like egomaniac. So he sees Mandy uh, just walking along the road. They pass her and he gets it, you know, kind of uh, transfixed on her that he, that she's going to be his. Right. And he's entitled to that because he's, you know, Jesus Christ or whatever. Um, yeah. What a great what a great editing decision, too, of just mm-hmm. like hitting a freeze frame over like that comp- basically completely red and black yeah. you know uh you know, shot you know because the whole scene is just red and black because anytime yeah. the bad guys are on screen everything just turns red right but, like just that freeze frame it, it looks so much like a like a freeze frame you would see on unsolved mysteries of like a missing person mm-hmm. you know like this this is the last known photo we have of this person so it's just yeah yeah, yeah it reminded me of something from that or from like a Almost from like a <laughs> like a freeze frame from like Ninja Gaiden or something. You know what I mean? When they like sure. somebody snaps into action, you know, you get that type of like. Um, <laughs> but anyway, uh, you get introduced to a couple other people that are part of the Children of the New Dawn. You've got Mother Marlene, who's this kind of like older woman who definitely has like an infatuation, you know, uh, uh, sexually as well with Jeremiah. There's a lot of jealousy there. You have Brother Swan, who's a real fucking creep. You, you have a handful of other, you know, just just random, you know, cult members that we'll learn as we come along. But those are kind of a couple of the, the big ones. And they decide that, you know, he's kind of being a little bitch, throwing a little, you know, cult leader temper, temper tantrum saying, like, I can't function without, you know, this this person. We need to find out how she is and blah, blah, blah and all this stuff. Mother Marlene is like a little bit jealous that he's obsessed with this random stranger he saw. And Brother Swan is like, nah, dog, I'm, I'm going to go, you know, I'll go get her. I'll go get her for you kind of thing. So he employs this uh, group of, I guess, like demonic biker acid Cenobites, I'll say, um, <laughs> that are are really like, you know, playing the part of like the the mythical beasts the monsters you know as it would be if this was like a you know some sort of fantasy hero quest which which it is but that's that's kind of the the characters that they're playing goes and literally calls them using like the horn of abraxas <laughs> which is yeah. like sounds like it's straight out of uh dungeons and dragons absolutely and they show up on on you know atvs and they've got like crazy ass armor that they've made that that makes them look 
literally like Cenobites. Like one of them has like spikes coming out of them. One of them has a giant bladed cod piece, like Bob, Bob mentioned. Like, yeah, it, I mean, it's pretty fucking up wild. to this point. The movie definitely had some like, okay, it's going to be a weird psychological thriller with this cult and this couple, and then this like, yeah takes it to another level it, the mm-hmm. fantasy element is firmly introduced at this mm-hmm. point you're like oh it's gonna get real weird it's funny because they, they it's it's highly like i said fantasized um but they they try to keep it a little bit closer to realism by just kind of explaining that it's not necessarily a monster what they are are these insane biker gang drug addicts <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that used to. Well, they used to be drug uh, uh, like like mules, I guess. Like they they they, you know, transported drugs, but they were given some like ultra concentrated tainted acid from this guy, uh, this chemist that uh, turned them into fucking sex demons you know basically. yeah <laughs> just basically yeah sex demons because like like you said like they're doing all kinds of body masochism to themselves and like they're constantly just like dripping they're wet they have yeah. nails all through them everywhere <laughs> they literally like, talk like full-on demons they don't talk like yeah. humans at all yeah so most of them are non-verbal it's only, it's only the leader really who's just like oh what's your blood <laughs> Well, and the funny thing is, this is the theme that you'll see coming back to it. And they don't really talk about it. They don't really come out and say it. But like the one thing that I've picked up on a couple of times is instead of everything just being magic and sorcery, instead of it's just like this is a sword and sorcery novel turned into a movie. Right. But instead of it being actual sorcery or alchemy or whatever, it is your brain is magic. That is the theme. Your brain is magic. And if you do things to your brain or if things happen to your brain, whether it be trauma, whether it be massive amounts of LSD, whatever, you now live in the sword and sorcery world that the, the real world is that if you if the right things happen to your brain, that's the, that's right. the theme. Right. Um, and, and like we get we get very few pieces of like what we would understand as the real world, like mm-hmm. the scene between Mandy and the old woman in the convenience store. That's pretty mundane. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of my favorite shots is like with uh, Mandy and Red and they're watching TV and they just have like food on a TV tray and they're mm-hmm. both like hunched forward because they're so engaged by the TV. Yeah, like that's that's such a normal thing. And then right. like Bill Duke is our last stop of normalcy, really. Correct. Yeah, <laughs> he's the last time, and and I'm I'm obviously buzzing through this here, so we'll we'll jump to that pr- pretty much right now. Um, the the bikers are hired to kidnap Mandy, which they do. They break in the middle of the night. You get this, you know, scary scene of of them, you know, basically incapacitating, just like beating the shit out of Red and uh, and kidnapping Mandy, um, and then uh, you know, ultimately. Red, uh, I can't say Nicholas Cage. Red goes to consult uh, Bill Duke, um, who is, you know, presumably his old army buddy, um, who's yeah. also like a combat veteran, and to 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 figure out what's going on next. But before that, we should probably talk about the the kind of fate that Mandy uh, eventually uh, is subjected to. So they kidnap Mandy, and Jeremiah's whole thing is, we've got to, you know, I've got to seduce her. You know, I am this next coming of Jesus Christ. I'm the shit. 
uh, I am so desirable sexually. I am this, I'm that, that, you know, I'm just going to basically set up the scenario where Mandy's just going to fall into my arms. Right. So they kidnap her. They drug her in a couple of different ways. And there's a lot of these little weird world building things that really make like sword and sorcery novels cool. Or if you're into that type of stuff, which which, you know, which I am. But, you know, I love the world building type of stuff. And one of them is they have this giant mutant. What you can only imagine is like some Amazonian crazy wasp that's like pickled in some sort of solution. And they like make it sting her in the neck and it's just like this wild you know set of hallucinogenic you know drugs and stuff they use to to make her highly impressionable and then they put her in front of jeremiah and he's uh, you know it's this ultra trippy scene where there's everything's kind of blending together um in fact like jeremiah is doing this whole monologue which is really creepy um and and like Mandy's face is like superimposed over it. It's it's super disorienting, but you get the idea of what he's doing. You know, it, it, he's it's, yeah, very intense. And don't we get some full frontal male nudity here as well? We do in a second. Yeah. So Jeremiah, <laughs> ultimately, he's really sorry. I got excited. There was some dick. So <laughs> <laughs> no, he we we don't get dick that often, guys. We get excited when we hear about. It. So basically, he's doing the whole um, like she's high in a highly subjective state. He's really laying it on thick, talking about his past. He plays his music, which is so creepy and like the worst kind of flower child music you can imagine. It's it's it definitely has some like almost lutish uh, yeah. sword and sorcery uh, Tolkien esque type of feels to it as well. It's, it's real. It's real Ren fair dog shit. But also at the same time. <laughs> It, yeah. The lyrics are praising him. He praises himself yeah. in his own song. It is. So it's, it's a like, very it's religious garbage. sounding sound, too. Yeah. yeah. He's clearly very self-centered, very narcissistic. Mm-hmm. The song yeah. just furthers that. It just very clear now. Dude's song, pretty high on himself. Uh, yeah. yeah. And, uh, I think you're right. Aside from making it seem um, aside from it just being lame, um, it is the really the first thing that shows truly how fucking deranged and dangerous his ego is like, you know, before this, you're just like, oh, he's just kind of a whiny cult leader bitch, you know, but then you're mm-hmm. like, no, he has an incredibly fragile ego and a cult leader, cult leader with a fragile ego is a very dangerous thing. Right. Um, so we yeah. start to see like, oh, boy, she is like walking on a, a, you know, a razor's edge here with this with this psychopath. And then she does the exact thing you want her to do, but the exact thing she shouldn't do, which he does his whole thing and how great he is. And basically like, uh, you know, I have chosen you kind of thing. And then he just like pulls his kind of like very very unimpressive pecker out i'll say (laughs) which is good thing for this guy you know he just showed his dick on screen but it's just like a real it's it's there's nothing wrong with it it's just in chronicles of of riddick man let's not judge you i I understand (laughs) but he he does this on purpose like this is a performance decision is he's like i'm talking about how i'm the shit and i'm a fuck god and here's my it's a grub worker little wiener my my not great little wiener um but i mean that's on him he didn't even bother to fluff himself up you gotta get get a little semi going if we're gonna do that that's the thing it he's so self-centered he's so egomaniacal that he just thinks you know people are just gonna 
bask in my the glory of my little pecker and, you know and the um, thing is it probably it probably has worked because like he they're already in a room full of people that it's worked on yes he is essentially giving a timeshare presentation <laughs> and all everybody else in the room it's worked on but yes. now mandy uh, yeah. she she has a very different reaction and just basically says boo you're not funny you, you know what we call that maneuver in southwest yeah. ohio what's that? that giving her the roethlisberger <laughs> behold my gray dick whatever we've moved on to picket so we don't care back on him all you want <laughs> it's only a matter of time um, but yeah, anyway, so, so Mandy just flat out laughs at him. Like she is like cackling at him and he's getting real bummed about the whole thing. Like he's oh, yeah. very taken aback. He's very like starts with like surprise. Then like he feels very, you could see, you can, I mean, this is a great performance by, by the mm-hmm. way. Um, he, you mm-hmm. can see it on his face. He's surprised. Then he's humiliated. Then he's enraged. And it's like, how, how dare you, you, you rat fuck. You know what I mean? So, yeah. um, so obviously he goes into full on revenge mode, uh, and is basically saying like, oh, you know, you're in love with red. Like, you know, this is what real love is. So it's this very much this thing of like, Mandy has the thing that because he's a sociopath, he can't have or understand. So the only quote unquote love that he has is based on control, which is with his 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 cults. Right. Um, And he doesn't understand what Mandy and Red have. And for that reason, he's like scared and threatened and enraged by it. So um, so they go and, you know, he has Red, you know, tied up. Um, and it's a pretty brutal scene that he has like barbed wire in his mouth and all this stuff. And he goes up and and basically demonstrates to Red like, hey, I'm a uh, I'm a bigger man than you. That's like kind of what he's trying to say. Right. And he's like, hey, look, and he makes the one like young girl in the cult, like play Russian roulette in front of him, which she survives it. But it's kind of like, look what these people will do for me. Like you're a piece of shit, blah, blah, blah. And Red is tied up you know, uh, uh, bound and, and all that stuff. They ends up stabbing red with this like ceremonial dagger, you know, which is, again, it looks like it's straight out of a, a sword and sorcery novel. Um, and then in a very brutal heart wrenching scene, they hang Mandy in a, uh, in, in a, a, a sleeping bag above the fire and, and burn her to death, you know, in front of red. So he has to watch it. So, um, super, um, yeah, just like emotionally devastating scene, right? After you watch that, you're just like, Jesus Christ, that was heavy. Kind of a bummer, man. It is. It's it's rough. But now you're like, you're so invested in his revenge. But that's not how, if you've ever read any type of, you know, fantasy sword and sorcery novels, it doesn't just, you don't get that instant gratification. You got to get the build up. You got to get the, you know, the hero hitting rock bottom and then building himself back up and preparing for the journey and then the journey, then the fight. And, you know, so this is very much sharing those same beats. Um, but you, I think at a brilliant bit of, of writing and directing after that, you do get a little bit of a palate cleanser because he wakes up, and 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 he goes over and her you know her skull is in the fire pit and he touches it and it crumbles and it's just, and that is his like she's never coming back i have to accept that and now figure out what i'm going to do next he goes inside the tv's on and you get the famous cheddar goblin scene which is so uh disorienting 
<laughs> it's the only way I can say because you just went through this like emotional, extremely emotional, tragic thing, and then there's this insane TV commercial um, from and I, I forgot to write the guy's name down. So the same guy who, if you've ever seen the short. Um, uh, which you can find on YouTube. And if you haven't seen it, it's fucking brilliant. It's called Too Many Cooks. I saw Too Many Cooks live on Adult Swim and it broke my brain. I was I was intoxicated. I was not prepared for Too Many Cooks. Folks, if you're not familiar, Google it. It's on YouTube. Too Many Cooks. It's worth the watch. But I'm I'm fairly positive the, the person, and I didn't write his name down, so that's why I'm not making the connection if it's there, uh, is the guy who did Too Many Cooks uh, definitely did the Cheddar Goblin. Casper Kelly directed Too Many Cooks. Okay. Um, it's this weird little, uh, you know, uh, short film within a film, which is essentially a commercial that Red stumbles upon when he makes his way back into the house. Meanwhile, he's where he's in his underwear, you know, and a T-shirt in like this crazy shirt with a tiger on it. He walks in and he's like dazed. He's exhausted. He's emotionally drained. He's he's, you know. All of these things. He's terrified. He's, you know, sick with grief. Um, and he just sees this commercial with these little kids getting a bunch of mac and cheese dumped on them by a little like green demon called the Cheddar Goblin. And it's wild. And then you just see him like mumble like Cheddar Goblin. Like he's like half, <laughs> half, like half out of it. It's it's such a wild scene. Then you get the scene where he goes into the bathroom, which is one of my favorite ones, too, where he grabs his like emergency bottle of vodka because he, he doesn't drink anymore. Like you said, he alluded to some uh, substance abuse issues. He just grabs his bottle of vodka, pours it on his wound, starts chugging it and just has these like primal screams bawling. It's 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 just like I said, it's such an emotional roller coaster. But also, like I said, kind of weirdly funny at the same time, because like he's standing there in his underwear in his kitchen, like full lights on. It's or not in his kitchen, in his bathroom. Um, so this is where he's, you know, he like I said, this is the scene where the little bit of catharsis you know, deals with the grief. He accepts what's happening to a certain extent. And then he goes uh, to, to Bill Duke and uh, Bill Duke gives him info, which is he talks about the black skulls, which are the, the crazy demonic sex cult acid bikers who have basically been like abducting people off the highway and killing them um and he talks about the acid and where their origin story comes from and he gets his uh crossbow which bill duke had apparently been been holding for him um in okay, addition I, I do have a question yeah. here brian yeah yeah i never quite understood why the crossbow was with bill duke or carruthers mm -hmm. or whatever yeah. was it was he holding it because he was waiting for like for red to sober up or I took it as red was trying to make some big changes in his life. And he was mm -hmm. like, I need to get weapons and booze and drugs and all the things that were my old life out of my life kind of thing. And okay. he gave, he gave him the crossbow as like a gift and was like, this is yeah. mine. I've given it to you. And in bill Duke's head, it was like, he's going to need this someday because he even makes this line of like, you know, in, same condition you brought it to me and basically saying like i never used it i just kept it for you when you needed kept it, it basically kept it operational yeah. for you yeah okay yeah, yeah. The, the same way he has like the bottle of vodka buried in that very bottom drawer at the very back of the bureau mm -hmm. you know before he pulls it out it's like he like nick cage has these things buried in his life yeah. You know, in case mm -hmm. of emergency break glass type situation i was gonna say it's even like that uh that like it's even a trope in, you know, Conan type stories where it's like, 
I'm, you know, the 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 guy who's you know runs around cutting people's heads off all day. He find he meets a woman, falls in love, decides he's going to settle down and start a family. But then there's uh, there's this trope of like the the violence of the world are always going to turn you back into the thing you were. Like that's a that's a Conan you know sword and sorcery kind of trope. So I took it that yeah, way as well. Yeah, he just gets pulled back in. History of violence. Yeah. Gotcha. Yeah. So yeah, he he gets all the idea, you know, the information about the black skulls. He goes and in an awesome scene, which I'm not doing it justice because I got to move quick here, but um, he forges himself a straight up fucking Conan the Barbarian battle axe, um, like a fucking heavy metal album cover. It's a heavy axe. metal 2000 battle axe. Like, yeah, it, it just it has yes. so many curves and spines to it. <laughs> yeah. um, it, it it is, I believe, patterned after the logo for the metal band Celtic Frost. Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, okay. I remember that. We, yes. I remember reading that somewhere. Celtic Frost has that on, uh, it's on like, that's like, like insignia on one of their albums. It's like, it's like, I think, I mean, I think it's part of their font, right? For like their F. Mm-hmm. Maybe, yeah. I don't know something, but I, I, I do remember reading that when we, we did, when we did the, uh, the movie on our pod. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah it, pretty, it looks, again, I mean, it looks very similar to the F in Celtic frost. So yeah, mm-hmm. I, yeah. I'll give it that. <laughs> it's very metal though. It's just like, yeah. yes. Yeah. yeah. It's like, wow. Okay. That's uh, that's pretty badass. Yeah. And, and this is like, and it's right around this time, which is like two thirds into the movie. We get the fucking title card. Just <laughs> suck great. I'm such a sucker for that. Yeah, way to and, bury the lead. I, I, well, I don't know how I feel about that, but it's pretty yeah. cool. It's like, and now the real movie starts. Right? It's right. like it's it's essentially the symbol of like, and now shit is about to hit the fan, right? This is the again, this is when when uh you know the knight, the barbarian, whoever it is, is like, all right. I'm 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 all, I'm all lined up. I got my shit set up. I, I'm in shape. I'm healed. I've got my weapons. I'm ready to fucking go. Right. The first thing he does is like hide in the woods and shoots one of the bikers off his off his ATV with the with the crossbow. Uh, and then there's this this whole thing where he he just basically is like I'm just going to run his ass down. But then he's this big monster with fucking metal armor, so he flips the car over. And then he wakes up. He basically, tied up. it's a parking. He basically hits a parking bollard. <laughs> yeah, it's like a Jersey barrier. He hits and just yeah. flips his car over. He wakes up tied up in in this like you know trailer, random middle of nowhere somewhere, um, and he's in the lair. So this is like he tries to fight the dragon. <laughs> the dragon drags him back to the lair. He survives, and now he's in the the the, the dragon's cave, if you will. But he's in the biker's you know crazy you know. Uh, 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 fucking drug trailer um and he brains one of them with a pipe he ends up uh you know fighting this one that's just doing i'm gonna say eight pounds of coke like on its <laughs> table oh my god <laughs> who a, yeah yeah who has a massive giant, amount of drugs just he has like a sickle as a cod piece as well like it's <laughs> it's so over the top and he's watching uh, porn isn't he yeah and he's just watching yeah. porn and, yeah uh, this movie this this section of the movie this scene here mm-hmm. goes as hard as you can possibly go yeah like whatever vibe they were trying to achieve in this skeezy sex drug den trailer dungeon mm-hmm. they nail it it is intense and it is weird and it's very atmospheric oh they pull zero punches and and the, the idea is like oh you know he he they got the best of them and then it's like the hero is willing to do whatever it takes, right? So not only does he get the upper hand, you know, strategically, um, 
by you know busting that one guy's ass with a pipe and then eventually he the 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 you know sickle dick uh biker is like about to kill him and he slash slashes his throat and then just like bay literally bathes in his blood you know and yeah. he's just like ha, 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 like bathing <laughs> in his blood which, which, which he wears for the rest of the movie right. yeah which he's for the rest of the movie he is covered drenched in blood which this is this is like how you know you're getting 110 percent cage because mm-hmm. he doesn't have to take a blood geyser to the face like that no no he doesn't have to he's he's a yeah. he's a man of his 50s he doesn't have to take fucking corny ass you know corn syrup to the face yeah. like that they could just put it on uh, off camera but no he wants to go 110 percent. this is why all. he ate bugs in in yeah. literally in vampire's kiss he didn't have to eat real bugs you know yeah. but he did um love of the game baby love yeah, of the in game. vampire's kiss they had to convince him not to fire a blank into his own mouth because <laughs> he's like because yeah. the, the scene where he you know tries to commit suicide in the basement after mm-hmm. assaulting his secretary like yeah. he does put a gun in his mouth and they're like no no, no we're going to use prop rounds well I, I want to see real let's use a real blank like no like the there's still <laughs> gas and pressure it'd, it'd blow your mouth no nick please please we'll <laughs> let like, you eat no. the bugs but you can't fire yeah. a blank into your mouth yeah okay yeah, yeah. okay um, anyway. So he he's going for broke in this one. He he then there's a scene where like the one guy like rips his shirt. He's like, "You ripped my shirt!" And then he snaps his neck like straight up Steven yeah. Seagal style. It's fucking great. He then I love this scene. I remember like again, this is him. He went in. He he got the best of these guys, but just barely. And he was like, "Wow, I you know I need a leg up type of thing." And this is the hero's journey that he has no intention of coming back from. Which again, another sword and sorcery trope. I'm going in and I'm going to kill everybody and I don't care if I come back. So what he does is he grabs the super concentrated, like what looks like melted plastic jar of acid that they have, dips his finger in it and then just like touches it to his tongue. And I love the the way they shoot this because this he slowly takes it to his mouth. And the second his tongue touches it, his brain melts. And you just get this insane rapid fire cutscene of his literal face melting off, <laughs> like just symbolizing the insane, complete destruction of his ego and his mm-hmm. just full ego death. Plus, you know, hyperdrive plus he goes super saiyan all at once <laughs> like it's just chaos yeah, just it all happens at once and i love it too and the other part i love about it is just that wee little bit he dips on his tongue mm-hmm. makes him go completely insane <laughs> yeah. but we already saw earlier in the movie the leader <laughs> yeah. of the cult was chugging it like chocolate milk <laughs> he- like he just goes to town on the jar and he just oh, is dripping oh, off his glug, face, glug. Which, yeah. lets, which just lets you know how fucking absolutely gone these guys are. Yeah. They were chugging it. His brain melted the second it touched his tongue. I just love it. It's so over the top in the most fun way. And it goes to your point from earlier, Brian, about, you know, the magic being in their brains. You got to alter your brain to get to the right level you know yeah. to complete your mission yeah yeah magic and sorcery are just acid in this movie right 
Um, mm-hmm. So, or big giant fucking, you know, uh, South American wasp venom or whatever it is, right? Mm-hmm. You then get, uh, you get an awesome, I, I'm not even going to do it justice. If you haven't seen this movie, then you're, you're missing out. You got to go see it. But he, you get a fucking flaming car fight with the last, you know, basically biggest and baddest of the Cenobites. And he eventually just like, cuts the guy's flaming head off and then lights a cigarette off his flaming head. It's exactly what it sounds like. It's fucking awesome. Then he goes uh, to see the chemist who's Richard Brake, like we said, um, and he has a tiger. It's not explained. He just has a tiger in his like uh, weird cooking. Uh, yeah, great. It looks like he's great visual. Yeah. It looks like he's in a shipping container or something, right? Like Mm -hmm. he's got his little like acid cooking house in a shipping container, but he's got a fucking tiger in there. It's wild. And he like releases the tiger. Um, And it's such a weird scene because they're having uh, Nick Cage is not saying anything in this scene. He's just staring him down. And Richard Brake is having like this monologue and he's having all these revelations of what he's hearing in his head. And he's like, oh, yeah, they're so mean. They're so terrible. And also, I'm hurting the tiger. I should give the, I should let the tiger go. And the, so he does. And it's just mm-hmm. like it's all something going on in his head that he's yeah. cooked out. <laughs> but there's like some weird suggestions that like somehow they have both done so much acid that they're connecting telepathically almost, you know, like right. they're communicating tele- telepathically on some level. Um, right. Back to your drugs or magic analogy he's effectively a wizard yes, yes. he is he is a hundred you're exactly right he is a hundred percent the wizard the sorcerer who ultimately gives the you know because because he he you know he got all he did everything he could do as a, as a hero he forged the the fucking sacred weapon you know he got prepared he did all that stuff he went he demonstrated his you know willingness to die for this task and then before he went to the final boss he had to go get the fucking wizard powers so he did he went to the wizard who is the who is the the cook the chemist and he tells him also where the 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 final boss fight is going to take place which is at the cult's temple they're constructing up in the fucking mountains so um so he he finds his way there on a fucking quad riding through this crazy tunnel it's like it's this weird like you just feel like you're a million miles from anywhere kind of thing like you might as well be on a fucking mountaintop in you know some mythical land you know but they're probably somewhere in the pacific northwest actually i believe they shot this in i looked it up why i'm, I'm blanking on oh belgium they shot this in belgium weirdly oh enough. wow huh, yeah interesting i, I would have um, guessed vancouver yeah, yeah that's what i would have thought too but yeah they yeah. shot it in belgium no kidding um anyway so they go to uh the final you know final fight at the cult temple they've got uh the 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 centurions basically outside which are the the minor members of the cult uh one of them has a giant like 10 foot chainsaw Um, and, and of course uh a red is a is a lumberjack he's 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 like a log cutter right or a forest where I was waiting for that to pay off because the movie gives it to you in the opening and it never comes yeah. up until yes. now. So he's so this is the sword fight. This is the sword battle with the with the the fucking Black Knight, basically. Right. Um, and in this instance, it's a chainsaw fight. So you get this sick chainsaw fight. Eventually, Red fucking throws a giant chain around his neck and pulls him on top of his old his own saw. It's awesome. Um, Lots of blood. 
Lots of blood Tons here. of blood. It's like rivers mm-hmm. of blood at this point. Um, he goes inside the temple, you know, goes through all these creepy little passageways and shit and stumbles upon Mother Marlene, who is the the the, the witch temptress, if you will, who basically offers to fuck him and is like, uh, Jeremiah said, you know, I give bomb ass head. You want to get down on this? And he's like, <laughs> and then, you know, he's just looking at her like, what the fuck? Cut the scene. And he has removed her head from her body and throws it into the chamber at jeremiah's feet um so this is not grindel's mom that's grindel's mom right yeah that's sure grindel's mom situation yeah for sure i Um, I didn't want to say the evelyn to jeremiah's skeletor because evelyn has more agency than just being ah you want to fuck i'll fuck good (laughs) i fuck so good yeah yeah she doesn't have a ton to offer and that's the thing it's like these ultimately these just come down to these are just like shitty cult leaders you know what i mean Mm -hmm. and they they've only been manipulating people mentally right um so he gets in he's went through all the challenges of the gauntlet and here he is at the end and he he has his final you know emotional uh uh challenge with jeremiah and Jeremiah basically is trying to say, like, you can't kill me. I'm, you know, I'm the chosen one and I'm Jesus Christ and blah, 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 and all this stuff. And in the most satisfying fashion ever, instead of cutting his head off, he literally like while Jeremiah begs for his life and like offers to blow him, he squeezes Jeremiah's head and crushes his skull and his eyes pop out with his bare hands. And you're just like, fuck, yes. <laughs> like I remember just like standing up in the theater almost like I was just like, this is fucking sick. Um, yeah. And what I like about that scene is that it's not gratuitous in the fact that you get that weird like homosexual angle mm-hmm. is the fact that jeremiah clearly just values submission so he assumes that red will also value submission so maybe if i just submit to him that will spare me you know well, and, and it's, it's also like, like- he is such a fragile person too. Like it's like yeah. all of his everything up to this point is like false bravado, right? Yeah. It is just it has worked on weak people and now he recognizes that he's up against somebody who he can't just manipulate. So he's like, "Fuck, I got to just resort to just like, oh, I'm just I'm I, I'm I'm submissive. I'm going to roll over." Yeah. He, well, I guess what I'm saying it's less like a like, "Oh, he was closeted," you know, kind of thing, more so that he's just like, "Well, this is what I would want someone to do. So I'll right. do that. Hopefully that works because that's the yeah, way his brain works. Right. Yeah. yeah. What it is, is he does the MacGruber. It's the MacGruber. There's no celery involved. There's no celery. But but I mean, it's the same thing as I'll suck your dick. I'll do whatever you want. Uh, you want to fuck me? I'll fuck you. You can fuck me. I'll fuck you. Whatever you want. I'll do whatever. Just oh. crying and whining. Yeah. 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 Uh, that's good. No, just, that's good. That's good. I mean, I, I'm, I, I swear it's got to be purposeful that it like it's so similar to MacGruber at that moment. But, you know, it's, <laughs> I mean, I, I did not clock that at the time. But now that you mention it, okay. watch it again That's with it. that in mind. Yeah, <laughs> I, I am not going to flat out say the Panos Cosmos was heavily influenced by MacGruber, but I can see the similarity. Um, yeah. yeah. So so he does this like whole um uh, uh like this is you know that meme that's going around all the time where it's like it's just a picture of like a sweet gothic castle and the meme is like guys will see this and say hell yeah <laughs> you know what i mean yeah like this is that like that scene where you have and you're just like ah oh, fuck hell yeah dude hell yeah. <laughs> this is sick <laughs> um 
but uh, so then he, you know, he marches out, he burns down the temple behind him. And then, you know, he's driving off into oblivion. You're kind of like, what's going to happen to him? Is his brain fucked? You know, but it doesn't matter because he achieved what he was looking to achieve. He fucking conquered evil. He got revenge, um, you know, and, and he gets his brain at least gives him a little bit of reprieve in that moment, showing him that he did good by Mandy because he like hallucinates that she's sitting there in the car with him smiling at him. And then in a scene that I remember got a weird laugh in the theater, you cut back over to him and he's just got this giant grin smile covered in blood in the driver's seat. And yeah. it's a meme like yeah, that's a still yeah, but it's just in the moment. It's such a heavy moment. And then to cut back over to him, it's just some of the best perfectly placed, like subtle black humor ever. And then, yeah. And then you get another one of these crazy, you know, galactic cosmic backdrop, you know, graphic novel looking backdrops as he drives mm -hmm. away. And it's the fucking credits yeah. roll. And yeah, it's yeah, you it, just it's, sort of like, hell yeah. <laughs> it's the sign that he is doomed to live in a high on fire music video for the rest of his life. Right. But, yeah. you know, he did accomplish his task. That's his that's his yeah. curse. He now lives in fucking stoner metal fucking music videos. He's forever yeah. changed. Yeah. Ronnie James Dio will be shrieking in his ear for the rest of his life. But right. it was all worth it, you know? Yeah. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, it just. I have to admit, you know, I'm probably playing uh, or my hand too early here, but the pace and the satisfying nature of the end of this movie were perfect, pitch perfect mm -hmm. for this film. Like, mm -hmm. and, and I'm a big stickler for that. Like you really got to nail the third act. This movie does that, but literally that lasts like 10 minutes, mm -hmm. you know, 10, 15 minutes. This could have dragged out like there Very are satisfying. who would have absolutely dragged this out. Yeah. Yeah, no, our hero wins in the end. He does it in commanding fashion, and it's satisfying, and it fits the film. It's like, mm -hmm. yeah, you could you could have stretched that out and padded it and fucked it up, but no, you just yeah, you could have had it. him playing croquet with Bill Dukes. Like you could have had like <laughs> just shit that didn't need to be there, and they just had the restraint to go, nope, that's it. That's you know, that's yeah. it. They didn't even Very like uh, you know. Some people would have said like maybe you should have had him like you know dying in some sort of like you know hero's death no not even that just let it be ambiguous it's okay yeah you know? yeah my, my biggest fear you know after seeing the film would have been like that final fight with the cult leader who is a, who is a giant pussy that's the mm -hmm. thing he right. is a giant pussy and he goes out like a bitch because mm -hmm. yeah. you could have stretched that fight out it could have gone back and forth he could have had the upper hand and then like cage could have been saved by the power of mandy you know coming to him in a vision and making him like you know no, none of that. The guy's a bitch. Mm -hmm. He goes out like a bitch. The movie ends. Yeah. Perfect. Yeah. He came. He already did all the things he needs to do to mm -hmm. get the satisfaction of killing the bad guy. Yeah. So, yeah. And it's the fact yeah. that it's the fact that Mandy already established that that guy's a bitch. Like, mm -hmm. yeah. You know, like she already defeated he, him, you know, once. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> right. Exactly. She defeated him by wilting him in front of his you know followers. Like mm -hmm. he there's no way he's going to get a physical upper hand on somebody like that psycho. So. Yeah. Right. Someone who just ate, you know, who just melted their brain off and was already twice your size and like, you know, fucking, uh, you know, some some sort of like commando style badass. And now yeah. his brain. A commando lumberjack who melted his cars. brain is after. <laughs> yeah. At, at this point, it's worth pointing out that Cage was, in fact, a holy half dead who had seen the Underverse. So, oh, yeah. 
<laughs> All right, guys, that is Mandy from 2018, and it fucking rules. And that's my whole argument for yeah, Mandy, is it fucking that's, rules. That's kind of hard to argue with, so yeah. I'll give you credit there. I, I, I don't have arguments either. I, I did want to bring something up, though, because since mm-hmm. we've, like, we've touched on this film in the past, you know, just talking about it, but mm-hmm. there's another film we've brought up a lot, and it's Cobra. <laughs> yeah okay go you, on wait you wanted a grocery store scene is that what you're saying no are you aware <laughs> that panos cosmatos's dad directed yeah. cobra okay yes. i just didn't know yeah you because know, we've we've I, never I totally gotten... forgot until you said that but yes i did know that um that panos because i i i actually had a thing down to, wrote his dad the director and then i never got into it but his yeah. his that's how he got into filmmaking his father was a director and uh and directed cobra among a, a, a few other movies as well but cobra is by uh, far the most no, first blood one. part two and then there's another there's another big one in there that yeah there's like three or four like, like box office you know big box office movies yeah well eh, i don't i wouldn't say box office but at least you know in that we love because the, well, the other no one's leviathan yeah the other one's leviathan that's what i was thinking of. oh leviathan's a good well that's a change of pace compared to the other ones yeah that's, yeah, yeah. That, that's, that's why the, that's peter weller right Peter Weller is. It's the undersea. It's it's like that they're in the they're in the fucking. Yeah, Peter um, Weller's the lead in that. Is he? Yeah, Peter Weller remember. isn't. Yeah, Peter Weller is the lead in that. I get that one yeah. confused with Deep Star Six. I always remember Daniel Stern from uh, Leviathan. Leviathan. He's, he he has one of the more interesting victim uh, victim yeah. hoods of that movie. I but always yeah. get that confused with uh, Chud. <laughs> Because Daniel Stern. No, I'm just kidding. That's um, <laughs> that's that's John Goodman's first movie. Chud. Mm-hmm. Really? Hmm. I didn't know that. He, pl- he plays one of the Daniel cops. Stern the diner at the very it. end. Oh, okay. Yep. I just I I remember Dan- that was like Daniel Stern straight out of like doing Shakespeare in the Park. <laughs> he went and did Chud right after that. Um, <laughs> and then and he the dad from Home Alone's the lead in that, right? Or the other lead. Uh, you think of the actor's he? name? Yeah, I can't. Yeah, it's the dad from Home Alone. Yeah, the one and Daniel the Stern together, right? Weird. Right? Oh wow, yeah, that movie rolls. Not as much as Mandy, but yes, I do remember um, Panos Cosmatos' dad. You know, created co created. Oh. you know the 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 wildness that is Cobra. Shit, he did Tombstone too. His dad did Tombstone. Yeah, yeah jo- Joris Cosmatos. Yeah. Wow, I didn't know he did tomb- Tombstones. Fucking one of my favorite westerns of all time. That is wild. Yeah. I didn't realize he had. I knew Cobra. I knew uh, 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 the fucking Rambo, one of the Rambo movies. Um, but yeah, I didn't. I didn't realize he did Tombstone as well. Holy shit! Yeah, no kidding. Quite a repertoire. Well, uh, I'm excited to see you know more out of Panos Cosmatos. He's done a couple other movies since then. Um, he did a he did a short film for Guillermo del Toro's uh, Cabinet of Curiosities. Cabinet of, right. Right. Um, and I, I feel like I've heard him connected to a couple of other, um, he has, he, he has stuff coming out, but I think mm-hmm. it's just like on hold because of all the strikes. Yeah, yes. that makes sense. He has a film. His next film is supposedly, uh, Necrocosm. Yeah. Which, you know, just sounds fucking out of the world, but it is cause it's the, the, the IMDB synopsis is a phantasmagorical fantasy nightmare set deep within a strange galaxy where two lovers are torn apart as they try to survive a malevolent invasion. 
I mean, that sounds silly. fucking great. Yeah. Come on. Yeah. Anything yeah. phantasmagorical. Like I have read like three books in a row for some reason that use the term phantasmagorical in them. Um, <laughs> that is like that is that is like dog whistle for like the perfect type of horror nerd fiction that I love. It's like <laughs> Laird Baron and fucking maybe anything that's like vaguely Poe influenced. Like they love to use phantasmagorical like Guillermo del Toro loves that word. Like I just <laughs> it's like this is some nerd ass weird cosmic fantasy horror shit it's horny so. but it's also extra dimensionally it's yeah <laughs> yeah it's scary but you kind of get a boner mm-hmm. um, <laughs> anyway all right uh i've talked enough about mandy so okie dokie then we'll move on to the toxic avenger continued in part two